Evan Roberts podcast, instant reaction, SummerSlam. Well, it's an instant reaction for me. I'm recording this at about 1 a.m. after SummerSlam 2021. I was on vacation this week, and today, Saturday, me and my entire family drove back from North Carolina, and we got back at about 9, 9.30, put the kids to sleep. Boom, I started SummerSlam at... I guess it was 10 o'clock at night. So I just finished it. I just saw the conclusion. Roman Reigns retains the universal title, and we get the shocking reemergence of Brock Lesnar with a ponytail. I can't look past the fact that Brock Lesnar went a little uh he went a little rogue with his hair. What is that what is that even called when you're bald, but you let like a little patch of hair grow and then you tie it up and have a ponytail? Plus, he grew out the beard. He looks like a weird-age Santa Claus. But bottom line is Brock's back, and Brock's a face. And it's funny. I thought this event was actually pretty good. It started off really slow, and we'll go through all the matches, obviously the beginning, but spend a lot of time on the main events. I thought the beginning of it was not that the Orton-Riddle versus AJ and Omos match was bad. You had a lot of title changes, and you had Becky Lynch showing up. And maybe it's because I drove 14 hours, but I had a very difficult time staying up. I was dozing. The Alexa Bliss-Eva Marie match sucked. I didn't care about Damian Priest and Sheamus. I'm sick of looking at the Red Rooster Rey Mysterio. But Becky coming back was cool. And I like what they did with that. And I'll get to that later. But let's start off with the main event, which did feature Roman Reigns defeating John Cena. Hell of a match. Great job by John Cena, even though I have a major, major problem with the last second booking of this match. Look, John Cena coming back a month plus ago to that big ovation was great. And we all knew Roman was going to win. I think Roman should win. Roman did win. I have no problem with any of that. I thought their promos, even though while it got repetitive towards the end, was pretty good. By the way, I'll get to CM Punk too. All right, I'll discuss that. This this may be a long podcast. I'm already up at 1 a.m. I may as well keep going. A lot of wrestling. No talk about the garbage Mets. No talk about the Jets in the preseason. This is exclusive fake pro wrestling, baby. Anyhow, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So the Roman Cena match was great. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I know you had your predictable close finishes. You know, I don't think anybody for a second thought that when John Cena is doing the attitude adjustment from the top rope, that was going to be the one, two, three, or the attitude adjustment of Roman onto the announcer's table. That was going to be the one, two, three. Look, we all knew Roman was going to win. Roman should win. But there was one major, major problem. And the WWE does this every once in a while. And as always, I will give you historical examples. And that's when they take an obvious result and make it even more obvious. And what I mean by that was at the end of SmackDown on Friday night, why do we need the stipulation coming from Roman that if I don't win, I'm leaving the WWE? Look, again, we all knew this was another match that was going to make Roman look awesome. And he's the best thing going in the WWE. He's the best character they have going in the WWE. And so I think it's great that they could get John Cena back to fight one big match. I know he did a bunch of house shows. One big match. 
and put over Roman as he continues to dominate as champion. But why did we need that? Why was it necessary to throw in a, if I don't beat you, John, I'm leaving the WWE. You took something that was 97% obvious and put it up to 99% obvious. And, and here are the other examples. I'll give you a few of them. Number one, we'll talk about Goldberg later. But when Goldberg finally won the world title against Triple H in that big WWE run that he had for that one year, they added the stipulation of Goldberg's going to retire if he doesn't win the world title. Well, we, we didn't need that. I think we had an idea Goldberg was going to win the world title. I think their biggest issue is Goldberg should have won the world title at SummerSlam at Elimination Chamber, but whatever. That's a debate from 18 years ago. But they added that stipulation, and it made it a little bit more obvious. The other stipulation thing that sucked at the last second is WrestleMania 25's main event when they decided at the last second, uh, if Triple H gets disqualified, he loses the title. Wasn't that what they did? Something like that. Something stupid. It was unnecessary. So I didn't like that, but the match was great. It's tough looking past John Cena's floppy hair. I admit that. But Roman's a beast right now. Roman reigns far and away, not even close. The best thing the WWE has going. His character is badass. I think he's played it incredibly well. And we're a year out. And it's funny to think about last year's SummerSlam. Last year's SummerSlam was in the Thunderdome. We all know that. And obviously, he was in the midst of this pandemic. But do you remember what the main event of last year's SummerSlam was, and I'll give everybody about five to ten seconds to think it over. And here's the hint, if you can't figure it out. Both of those guys aren't on the WWE roster anymore. Talk about turnover. That is some serious turnover. The main event was Braun Strowman against Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, for the Universal Championship. And if you recall, what saved the event, because the event sucked last year, was that Roman showed up. Now, we didn't know Roman Reigns was going to be this badass heel, even though he acted a little healy at the end of the match. But the main event featured two guys that the WWE has released in the last few months in Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. I'm just pointing that out, by the way, just to remind you of how much turnover there's been. So good main event, very solid main event. Roman continues to look awesome, and now you've got the Brock-Lesnar issue. And even though we've seen Roman and Brock a million times, and if you would have told me a year and a half ago, hey, you want to see Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns again, we'd all say no way. Here's why I think this one will be cool, because it's really, really different. And I don't just mean Brock Lesnar's weird hair. You're just bringing this feud with a completely different Fresh coat of paint. Isn't that what Bruce Pritchard says? Come on, you all know you listen to that podcast. That's awesome. It's just different. Not only is Brock different, but obviously Roman's different. The fan reaction is completely different. Brock is the obvious face, and it should remain that way. Roman's the badass heel. And then you got the Heyman factor. And Heyman was awesome at the end, as you knew he'd be. Him freaking out. Oh, my God. And so I find myself intrigued to see what's Heyman going to do. Who's going to talk for Brock Lesnar? Because we know Brock sucks on the mic. So how does he handle himself? And then the other thing that's going to be really interesting, is this a one-off? 
And by that do I mean, and look, I'm not reading the rumors on the internet to know what kind of contract Brock Lesnar signed. I didn't know Brock was coming back. You know, you always know that Vince McMahon's a call away from getting Brock back. And with fans in the stands, it makes sense for Brock to come back. And as I'll get to later, uh, the WWE's got to get its head out of its ass because they have a beast of a competition coming. And that clearly continued this past Friday night which we'll get to a little bit later on. So I think the WWE knows, hey, we got to do big stuff. Roman's the best thing going. We got to further this. Plus, after Roman fights John Cena, where do you go with him? I mean, what are we going to do? Just kill time until they can finally get The Rock back from Hollywood so we can get that dream match of Roman Reigns against The Rock at next year's WrestleMania, which I actually have some confidence we're going to see. And that's the, the only way For this Roman run, I don't want to say to end because Roman should probably beat The Rock, but for the conclusion in a way of this Roman run that's now over a year or is approaching over a year to continue on, to have him face the real head of the table, and that would be The Rock. So you bring Brock back, but do you get him for a match? I mean, Brock has been part-time ever since he's come back how many years ago, so... Is it an extreme rules one-off? But here are the keys. Here are the rules for this Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar feud. Number one, Roman's got to go over. Roman's got to continue to go over. Roman Reigns needs to hold on to this championship until WrestleMania, assuming that we're getting Roman Reigns against The Rock. Because this will do numerous things. First of all, nobody should beat Roman Reigns. Number two, he is going to blow past John Cena's title reign that he had many years ago, CM Punk's title reign from a decade ago, AJ Styles' title reign that he recently had, and he has a chance to get past Brock Lesnar's title reign, which was over 500 days. If he could take this until next year's WrestleMania, we're talking about a title reign of over 600 days. And quite frankly, nobody should beat him. So rule number one is Roman's got to go over Brock. Rule number two, they have to keep the dynamic of Roman being a heel and Brock being a face. We cannot have Paul Heyman turn. Now, can Roman Reigns still be a badass heel without Paul Heyman? Sure. But Paul Heyman adds to that character. So don't even think about it. Don't even think about turning, you know, Brock heel with Paul Heyman as, you know, kind of returning home. Can't have that happen. So Roman's got to win. And Heyman's got to stick with Roman Reigns. Now, how Brock Lesnar cuts promos, we'll see. They got to be short. They got to be sweet. But my best guess, and I'm I'm merely guessing, is that they have a match at Extreme Rules, and that's it. And then Brock goes away for a little bit, and then maybe he comes back for WrestleMania next year. But it was cool. It was a surprise ending. I don't, I don't think anybody saw it coming. I certainly didn't see it coming. Thank you to John Cena for your time. Thank you for your service. I guess we'll see you never again. Now, as far as Lashley Goldberg is concerned, what the hell are we doing? Look, I, I I probably like Bill Goldberg a lot more than I should because I was enamored by what WCW did with him many, many years ago. But the constant returns of Bill Goldberg has to stop. You know, when he comes back to put somebody over, we can all say, oh, well, that's good like he did for McIntyre at the Rumble. When he beat somebody for the title, like he did to, uh, what's it, Bray Wyatt 
a year and a half ago, we all cringe. But this was even worse. Because while he didn't win, he also didn't lose. So what the WWE told us was, we're going to get to see Lashley and Goldberg again. And my response to that would be, why? (laughs) I mean, why does anybody want to see Bobby Lashley and Bill Goldberg again? Did we need this? Did we need Bobby Lashley and MVP going after Goldberg's knee? The refs stopping him. Goldberg's kid running into the ring. Goldberg being pissed off. And clearly them building towards another Lashley-Goldberg match. Why? Look, Lashley was going to beat him. Goldberg and John Cena both came back to put the current champions over. And that's fine. As much as I don't want to see Bill Goldberg anymore, I'm over it. I think most of us are over it. Clearly, the crowd was over it because they were crapping all over him. How do you have them fight for whatever it was, eight minutes, and that that was seven minutes too long, and then basically try to punt it towards a future match? Look, I know they signed Goldberg to some kind of deal where he gives you numerous matches. We We don't need this. This was a colossal waste. Just have Lashley beat him and we move on. Now we got the son involved. Now they're going to fight it. When are they even going to fight again? They're going to go extreme rules. Is that what they're going to do? Whatever. Just get it over with. Have Goldberg recover. Have him lose. That'll make him. (laughs) By the way, if he loses the next time he fights Lashley, I looked this up because I was really curious. That means he will have lost. And I guess technically he lost in this. Because it was, you know, he didn't get pinned, but they they stopped the match. It was a TKO. But if he loses again, that means Bill Goldberg would have lost six out of his last eight matches, one-on-one matches. I don't think he lost six one-on-one matches in total if you combine his one WWE run from 2004 or 2003 and his WCW run. So the guy comes back and just jobs. Should join the job squad. But that sucked. What are we doing with that? You know what was worse than that, though? The Miz and Morrison shtick. I have no idea what's going on here. Their gimmick is that they super soaker everybody. Their gimmick is that they squirt water at people. I, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm sure if you go back in uh, podcast history, there are many... Uh, Instant reactions where I wax poetic about The Miz and how good he was. The Miz sucks right now. I mean, just go. Him and Morrison are terrible. Their shtick isn't funny. They're squirting water at people. I don't get it. You know, maybe it's above my head. Maybe their comedy is just so good and I don't get it. I don't know. The Edge-Rollins match was good. It was good. The, The Brood stuff was weird. Because... And they did this on SmackDown, and they sort of continued it, obviously, uh, during the entrance to this match where they brought back the brood music, and Edge said, I got to go deep or whatever he said. I got to go dark. Brood is very forgettable. And so while I remember it, and I'm sure a lot of people listening remember it, the brood was two decades ago. And that was not even close to being Edge's most popular character. You know, when you think of Edge... And the various runs that he had. You think of him and Christian being a great tag team. And I'm talking post-brood, but a great tag team. Their feud with the Hardy Boys, the Terry Invitational, all the ladder matches, the TLC matches. Then you think of Edge's singles run. 
His first singles run, he gets hurt. He comes back. Then you think of the SmackDown 6 or the SmackDown 5. It's got to be the SmackDown 6 because Chavo Guerrero was great too. And Edge is teaming up with Rey Mysterio and all those great matches. Then you think of the Rated R Superstar, the ultimate opportunist, which they touched on. And then you think of him coming back from injury and winning the Royal Rumble. And then you think of his retirement. You think of all these, you know, really cool versions of Edge. That dates back two decades ago. But you forget about the brood, and why wouldn't you? It was stupid. Gangrel was their leader. So, I mean, I'm all for nostalgia, but the brood? When they brought that music back out on SmackDown, no one got it. Because like, even if you're a good, solid WWE fan, you forget about it. Now, nah, but the, the match was really good. And I'm a big fan of when Edge has the surprised, I thought I had you pinned and somehow you kicked out of it look, which is a staple in WWE. You saw it a lot during the Cena Reigns match. The one, two, oh no, he kicks out. I'm just so stunned that you kicked out. Take a look. I bet you Edge has the best stunned, oh my God, I can't believe you kicked out look. Eventually, he makes Seth Rollins tap. Great match. Hell of a match. I don't know what's next for both guys. Maybe they have a series of matches, which they probably should do because A, they have pretty good chemistry and B, Rollins needs some victories. Give him some W's. Seth doesn't have a lot of W's. Give Seth a couple of W's. You know who doesn't need another W? Charlotte. The WWE is in such a rush to make her the first 17-time champion. They're never going to do it with John Cena. Triple H is not going to come back five more times to get it. So clearly Charlotte's going to break Ric Flair's record, especially now that Ric Flair has been released and is going to end up with the competition. So they're just shotgunning the crap out of Charlotte to get the 17th. So what is she up to now? She's a 12-time women's champion. Fine. Who cares? The Nikki, I'm almost a superhero character to me doesn't work. Uh, it seemed like it was a waste of time that she won the money in the bank, cashed in and won, but... They are clearly in a rush to have Charlotte knock off Ric Flair's record. McIntyre beat Jinder Mahal, great, whatever. The Becky comeback. I mean, that was kind of cool to have Becky Lynch come back and then immediately uh, win the SmackDown women's title. And I thought that was done really well for a couple of reasons. Number one, I get, what's the deal with Sasha Banks? Is she hurt? I assume people listening know the answer to this. I guess she's hurt. So she's ruled out of the match with Bianca, which would have been a hell of a match, hell of a rematch from WrestleMania. Becky gives you the shocking awe response of her coming out, and then you can't have a real match. That's why I thought this was booked perfectly, because that's a huge match. You know, Becky Lynch, Bianca Bel Belair, you want to give it some real hype. So it's perfect to have some kind of weird, quick, they didn't really have a match ending. So Becky does the handshake into the manhandle slam, gets the victory. She's immediately champion again. And now it'll be interesting to see how does the Bianca Belair character respond. So well done. Good to have Becky back. And that's going to be a cool feud that, you know, they'll probably have a series of matches over the next few months. The Usos and the Mysterios, I just can't watch. I can't watch it because Rey Mysterio is now the Red Rooster. They're the same. I mean, it's the same character. I can't get past the fact that he looks like the Red Rooster and that his son looks like Wilmer Flores. So you've got the Red Rooster and Wilmer Flores wrestling in a tag team match against the Usos. The rest of the card, whatever.
Now let's get to CM Punk. <laughs> because as cool as the ending was to Roman Reigns, John Cena, and Brock Lesnar's back, the wrestling world is still pretty excited about Punk's comeback. And even though it had been out there for the last few weeks that CM Punk was going to sign with AEW, much like it's out there that Daniel Bryan is going to sign with AEW, it was very, very surreal on Friday night. And I got to tell you, I thought that was done as well as it could be done. I don't know much about Tony Khan. I know he does a bunch of interviews. I know he's out there. But I thought what was so important was that he not be involved in CM Punk's debut. Let it be about CM Punk. Let it be about the crowd. And so we all knew Punk was going to be there. I think everybody was excited. Oh, can't wait to watch Rampage. And since it's only an hour long, you figured, all right, you know, even if it's at the end of the show, you're not waiting around three hours for it. Number one, they had to open up the show with it. They did. Number two, they needed no frills BS. Just have it happen. They did. And the most important thing that they did right is they played cult of personality. Because... Whenever you have a professional wrestler, I don't want to say jump ship because Punk quit seven years ago. So to say he jumped ship wouldn't be accurate. AEW wasn't even a thought in January of 2014. But in the history of wrestlers, established guys going to different companies, they run into two issues. Number one, sometimes they have to change their name. Sometimes they have to have a completely different gimmick because of copyright rules. And number two they never, ever, ever can use the same music, ever. Because that's clearly going to be an issue that the old company owns the music. And music is so important in wrestling. That sound, when you hear a familiar song, that, look, when John Cena came back at the last pay-per-view, long before we saw John Cena, we heard his music. At this SummerSlam, long before we saw Brock Lesnar's bizarre ponytail, we heard his music. If John Cena was going to go to AEW, they couldn't play his music. He'd have to just show up. Or it'd have to be some weird, cheesy ripoff of the song that they have. Well, when the Summer of Punk occurred 10 years ago, and the WWE didn't execute that as well as they should have, because Punk should have disappeared for weeks and months instead of coming back like two weeks later after he quote-unquote quit the WWE after beating CNET Money in the Bank. But when he came back with a real song, not a song owned by Vince McMahon, but an actual song that, you know what, you've heard of before, that was key. It was brilliant. It's almost like CM Punk knew in 2011, boy, if I ever jump ship, if I ever end up at a different company that doesn't even exist right now, I can use my freaking music. And so, yes, you had 15,000 psychos chanting CM Punk. And for the first time in seven years, we were going to be rewarded by something happening outside of that chant just occurring because you're bored by the match you're watching. What added to the moment was the music. If they didn't have the music or if they used different music, yeah, sure, of course it would still be exciting to see CM Punk back at a ring for the first time in seven years and talking on the microphone, but hearing that first beat 
of cult of personality added to it. So it was awesome. It was just, it was so well done. And I'm not one to just go nuts and, and say AEW's great at everything. AEW's had some bad moments. I think more of it has been good moments, and they have sucked me in certainly over the last few weeks and months with a product that right now is superior. But I thought the debut of Punk was as good as it can be. It gave you a nibble of shots at WWE, a couple of really good lines, but it also gave you the, the reason he's there. I'm here to wrestle. I'm here to settle some old scores. I'm there to wrestle some of the young talent. And clearly Darby Allen's going to be the first. And that probably sold me the pay-per-view. Just a chance to see him wrestle. And what should be a really good match between him and Darby. I'm not sold on Christian fighting for the title. That bores me. But look, Christian got the TNA championship. Kenny Omega will clearly retain the AEW championship. And then Kenny can move on. But that was, it was a great moment. Now, how do you bring Daniel Bryan in? Or should I say Bryan Danielson in? I don't know, but you know what's crazy? He could use his music too. (laughs) I mean, think about that. The two monstrous free agent signings that they've added in Punk and Danielson both use theme songs that are not owned by the WWE. But it was really, really, really well done. And uh, I'm excited to see Punk wrestling full-time, which he admitted he will. Excited to see more promos, which I'm sure he'll whip out as time goes on. And the product continues to be really good. And they are they're a threat. They're not a threat necessarily to go head-to-head with Raw or SmackDown because they shouldn't. They're smart. To have Rampage come on right after SmackDown is smart. So it's not competition in the way that we remember the old Monday Night Wars that maybe we pine for. It's competition in that there's another wrestling organization that's really good. Are they competing for, like, take someone like me and probably a lot of people listening. If you're a wrestling fan and you think the AEW product is good and you're loyal to the WWE, you're going to watch both. So, It's competition in terms of there's another organization around, but we don't live in the times of 1998 where either I'm watching WCW or I'm watching WWF. It's not like that anymore. So what it does for someone like me is you're competing to have me watch your show more than maybe watching less of uh, Tiger's Orioles on a Tuesday night. No, I'm just kidding. Then again, no, I'm not. But hell of a debut. So I thought that was really, really good. Anyhow, I should go to sleep because I haven't slept much. So that was my instant reaction to SummerSlam and a little of CM Punk. Craig and I are back together again for the first time in a very long time where we will not talk about SummerSlam and CM Punk. Monday at 2 o'clock. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.